Welcome to Heartfelt Awakening Radio. I am your host, Denny Van, and in today's episode, we are talking about an important message for frontline workers and especially the mental health maintenance that needs to be normalized. Welcome and thank you for listening in our discussion with Krista Faye. Krista! Very cool. So I'm just reading here about your bio and you're a trauma specialist. You specialize in recovery and you're a lead and you're a leader in the PTSD and trauma spectrum injury, TSI. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, You're an author, educator, and mental health advocate with degrees in trauma psychology, military science, national security, and criminal justice and over 56 certifications in Eastern and Western healing modalities. Oh gosh, that's me too. We got to compare notes. That is fantastic. The president of the 501c3 nonprofit organization, Battle to Be, uh, serving military, veterans, police, firefighters, dispatchers, and emergency medical personnel, and one side and Personnel on one side. Okay, so on the one side, you're dealing with military veterans, police, firefighters, basically frontline people. And then on the other side, victims of human trafficking, domestic violence, childhood abuse, um, and all of those things. And you teach a four pillar approach, access, awareness, healing, and change. This is fantastic. And you provide life transformational mental health support one-on-one in groups and through online courses. That's fantastic. I think this is why we connected, darling. Because uh, this is what, what, you know, heartfelt awakening is all about is this healing process. So darling, how did we connect? You had, we connected on a post in one of the coaching groups and someone had asked for examples of one sheets and because they were looking to write their own. That was me. I was asking for examples of one sheet and people, you left your one sheet and some of the people like you who left this amazing one sheet, I'm reading it and I'm going, I got to have her on the show. <laughs> it was totally unintentional because I'm, I'm working. I think I have it 95% done, but um, yeah, that's how we connected. So fantastic. So darling, and looking at all of the things you do, and coming in with Heartfelt Awakening and, and our, our podcast, Heartfelt Awakening Radio, we do transformational journeys to spirit. And with so many people on the front line also being traumatized and creating PTSD, what is the one thing you'd like to tell listeners right now? I think the most important message especially for frontline workers, is that traditional psychotherapy is a psychotherapy and it only covers one part of the self. And people get so frustrated that they're just not healing, they're just not progressing and they don't understand why. But a healing journey that works, a healing journey that actually brings you to the transformation that you're seeking is a multi-layered, multi-faceted approach. You have to address body, mind, and spirit. You can't just heal one layer. You you have to access all the 
it's very somatic. It's very emotional. It's very psychological. And then you have all the energetic or spiritual, depending on what your belief system is. And all of those layers need healing. So if you're only approaching one, you're never going to find that wholeness that you desire. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up, you know, psychotherapy is psychotherapy, (laughs) but you still have to go through healing. This is phenomenal. And you bring up layers. I love to say that we heal on multidimensional layers. And I'd like to talk about some of those layers from your experience in dealing with frontline workers or anyone who has gone through any kind of trauma. What is the first thing? What is the what is that first layer that you noticed people tend to go through that first layer? Let's talk about that. The first, the first part of healing is safety. The first part of healing is safety in yourself, but you don't need just safety in yourself. You need to create safety in yourself, in your relations and in your environment. So we, even that is not as simple as there's just one, you know, one way to do this, but If you don't trust yourself, if you don't have faith in your own decisions and your own abilities in the world around you, you never will have security. And we can't heal without coming from a place of security. Absolutely. And I work um, for many years with women who have experienced domestic violence or sexual assault. And that's the first thing we work on is the root chakra and the second chakra. That's security because speaking from a woman's perspective, but I can imagine it's from a human's perspective, we can't open up until we feel safe. And so when somebody's in the front line and they're military, they're firefighters, dispatchers, emergency medical, and they experience something that makes them feel not safe, what do you recommend they do? Or what what would be a tool they can use as a go-to. The first you have all of these wonderful, you said you have so many certifications. This is fantastic. 56 certifications. So with all of those tools, I'd like to talk about the first. You mentioned the first. The first tool is always breath because it's so connected to all of the different layers of healing that we need. We can calm our nervous system. We can get centered and focused, present in the here and now. It's just really, really useful and powerful. And it builds the foundation upon which we can put all the other bricks. So literally, it might sound kind of cheesy and kind of simplistic, but the first priority is is getting control of your breath. Love it. The breath. And so when, when we're in a traumatic situation, we have a tendency to go, right? And this right there, this releases a chemical domino effect, right? (laughs) Adrenaline, cortisol, fight or flight, right? So we're in that. So when you mention the breath, naturally the body is going to go, and put itself in defense mode in that moment. So you mentioned the breath and you might think, okay, I'm breathing. So when you say breath, what do you mean? What should they be doing when it comes to their breath? The simplest answer to that, there's a a whole bunch of different breathing patterns that you can use, but the simplest answer to that is 
nice, slow, deep breaths in, hold on to it for a couple seconds, release as much as you can. So equal balance between inhale and exhale. So you're not doing those little rapid, shallow breaths that we tend to do when we're in a panic or, or just holding your breath, which we also tend to do when we're in a panic, you're creating that just a deep, slow pattern. And if you take a deep breath in you and you continue it over the course of at least like 10 breaths, a few minutes, you can start getting some vagus nerve activation, all that, that complicated stuff, some neuroscience in there, but you can control not only your heart rate and your respiration and, but you're also controlling those neurochemicals that you're talking about. And you're, you're stopping that flood of stimulants that just create a downward spiral loop of excitability in your body. So if you can stop it at the nervous system level, then it doesn't get all the way into all those chemical releases. So you literally can control once you learn how to do it. And it's a practice for you. Once that first moment of panic sets in that first moment of, Oh my gosh, I'm going to freak out comes on. You can stall that you can calm it. You can keep it from overwhelming you. I love that you used practice because when we start, I work with clients. So when we start doing it for the little things, you know, the little things that annoy you focus on the breath and you mentioned vagus nerve. So we do a breath work, the balancing 50%, you know, equal in breath and out breath is wonderful and getting, becoming aware of that. But you brought up a very good point of practice. So you're not thinking, oh, when I'm in a situation, I'll just use my breath, right? But when you're in that situation, the body's going to do what it's going to do unless you practice. So what we do is we practice on the little things that annoy you. You know, it's like, oh, you know, that thing just annoys me. Oh, I just noticed I did a, right? I did a inhale to get ready to get those hormones ready, right? Once you become aware of those little things, when you're face-to-face in one of those situations, especially if you're a frontline worker, this is when your practice is going to come into needing it now to overcome the body's reaction. Yeah, love it. And you talk about, can we talk, um, can we talk more about uh, the four pillar approach, access, awareness, healing, and change? I am a huge boots on the ground person. So the four pillars come from my initial frustration. The reason that the 501c3 exists is because I kept running into people, especially the, and I hate to say anything bad about the VA, but they are overwhelmed, overworked and understaffed and under capable. So when we're dealing with extreme mental health concerns and we have people who are calling suicide hotlines and needing immediate care, And they don't need just one session. They need regular, consistent care. And people are being told they can get an appointment in three to six months. Or people are being told that they haven't qualified yet for their disability and they haven't got their PTSD confirmed yet. So I'm working with people that are waiting 20 years or more to get their help that they're supposed to get. So access was my first issue. Everyone who needs mental health support, resources, whatever it is they need, 
when you're reaching out and you have the strength and the, the, the self-awareness to realize that you need help, that help needs to be immediately available and not cost prohibitive. And getting to that point of needing to ask for help, getting to that point of needing or actually asking for help. So frontline workers are supposed to be there for us, right? They're not supposed to need help, right? They're the brave ones. They're there in the front line. And there's a stigma, right, of, hey, I need help. What do you mean you need help? You're military. You've been through it all. What do you need? What do you mean you need help? Can we talk about that? Yeah. And imagine, because that is such a huge thing. Imagine with that stigma that at the moment when you actually come to the point where you admit to yourself and you're, you're going to take whatever repercussions come with your job, with the community, with whatever, and you know the weight of that because that stigma is a heavy burden. When that person reaches out for help, that says something. That shows how immediate that need is. And when they finally reach out and say, okay, I need help. I can see they know this is something that I want to work on. And they get told, no, I'm sorry. We have no resources for you. Can you imagine how devastating that is? And then we wonder why we have numbers like 22 a day. We have over 150 police officers just this year. And we're not even finished with this year yet. And my guess is that those numbers, because we haven't seen the full disclosures of this particular year yet, I feel like a lot of those numbers are going to skyrocket on us. I feel like we're going to see a massive increase just this week with Afghanistan and and the anniversary of the Twin Towers, the 9-11 situation. Um, I have been, the number of crisis intervention calls that I've taken over just the past four days is probably more than I've taken in the past two months. Wow. So I feel like that stigma is huge. It's a really big issue. And that's the change part of, uh, of what we do is that we go out and we start the conversation and, and we bring forward the idea that mental health maintenance needs to be normalized, that in healing professions, in helping professions, in high-stress jobs, and that goes even beyond the people that I work with, that goes into teachers and counselors and you know, pretty much anyone in a high-stress position. You could even say retail workers are in high-stress positions. Yes. That all of those people, the work, the work situation, it just needs to be normalized so that there is mental health support and these coping skills and resourcing tools, the simple things that we practice ahead of time need to just be a part of our daily lives. We can teach children these things in their schools. We can just make it normal and then it isn't a crisis. So that's both of those, that that access and then that change piece of the puzzle. And awareness, because the more, more people who are aware of the stigma, they may find themselves in that situation of saying, all right, I have one nerve left, (laughs) right? So healing, healing and change are the second, uh, third and fourth pillars. So a healing approach and change, what does that look like? Healing, we put in our pillars because we don't just talk about mental health. It's, It's really common in 
especially in the groups that I'm in, there are a million nonprofit organizations out there. And most of them talk about PTSD. Most of them just say, okay, let's have a conversation. This can't, this can't be what it is. We can't allow this to continue. Okay, but if you're not putting that final piece of healing in, if you're not boots on the ground, getting the skills and the knowledge to help people heal, if you don't have the knowledge and the certifications and, and actually create programming that people can use, it's moving us forward, but it's moving us forward at a snail's pace. If they don't get the help they need when they ask for it, and you're investing time and energy in a nonprofit, thank you for that. But what's needed is mental health resources that literally and actually right now are dealing with the problem, not just talking about the problem. So for healing, someone who's coming to you for healing, healing is not something that okay, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll for, completely forget about that situation. It'll never come up again, right? That's, that's not healing. It happened to you. Healing, what does that healing look like? You know, for frontline workers who are healing others all the time, sometimes it's hard for them to see themselves in the healing position. So what does that look like? I like to say that healing is a change in awareness, especially for the people that I work with, healing is letting go of the person that you used to be. It's recognizing that being in the here and now is where I have power and where I have choice. It's recognizing that everything that happened to you in the past happened to you. And there are lessons there and there is pain and suffering and anger and rage and all of these anchors there. But healing is when you come to the place where you recognize that that doesn't define you. Those limitations that you set for yourself because of that don't have to be there. And you work towards the best life experience you can have in this moment here and now based on who you are here and now and what goals and objectives you have for the future. How can you be the best you that you can be right now, despite the experiences that you've had? And that comes from creating safety, coping and resilience skills, present moment awareness, focus, Oftentimes it's mindfulness and meditation and people hate the word meditation, but meditation isn't what you think it is. <laughs> and trauma release, there's so much trauma that needs to be processed, understood from an adult experiential mindset, looked at differently, the beliefs that are attached to that, the things that we believe about ourselves and others and the world around us, we all have these limitations we've set that the world's not a safe place. Most of us are like, nobody will ever love me. I'm not worthy. I'm not needed. I'm not wanted. So we try so hard to prove ourselves to the world that when we can let go of that, when we can come to the place where we truly believe that those things are wrong, when we actually allow our bodies and our minds to heal, we connect with the truth of ourselves. 
And that's freeing. That's where happiness and joy and peace come into play. It doesn't mean you don't cry. It doesn't mean you don't have anger. You won't. It doesn't mean that those bad days don't happen and that sometimes you're still in the trauma because the trauma never fully goes away. It just means that you're aware of what's happening and you know the truth and you're connected to your truth and you can move forward better every day, inch by inch. That's how we love it. Love it. Yes, because you are not the trauma. Exactly. Excellent. I love what you do. Keep doing what you do because this is an important message for frontline workers. Number one, access. And you're providing that access the best you can. But, you know, I'm hearing more and more like what you said, people waiting months, months to get any kind of help and just getting to the point of saying, I need help. And then the stigma attach to it and bringing awareness to that. Keep doing that. And then healing and change. This is fantastic. So Krista, you talk about um, the support that you give one-on-one and in groups. You also have some online courses. What are, what are some things that someone who might be listening and might be maybe to that point of, mm, maybe I should make that phone call, but maybe they're looking for more information on their own. Where would you send them? The battle to be.org website and it's battle to the number and then just be. Um, is we have our podcast up there and I have a ton of great people who have come on and given free resources. We are also next week starting uh, Healing the Invisible Wounds, which is going to be essentially what we're going to call a peer support podcast. It's not really a podcast. It's just a weekly resourcing. So it will literally be a masterclass of, okay, today we're going to talk about breathing exercises and the next day we might do some tapping routines. And then we might talk about what PTSD actually is that's on the roster, because a lot of people don't understand even what they they've been diagnosed, but they don't understand what that means. And they don't understand the behaviors and what's causing those behaviors and what control they may have to address those kind of things. So we'll talk about stress reduction. We'll talk about mindset. We'll talk about all kinds of different things. And that will be absolutely free. Uh, And just on the website, they'll just be stacked up in a library, free access. You don't even need to talk to anyone. Nobody needs to know that you're using them. So privacy is a really big issue with that stigma. So if they're not ready to reach out and they just need some, a little bit of help right now to just get through, those resources will be available. Excellent. Excellent. So Krista has over 20 years experience helping people rise out of the ashes of their experiences and live the life on fire they truly desire of passion, purpose, and happiness. Keep doing amazing stuff, Krista. Any last minute stuff, because I'm definitely going to be referring people. If you're listening to this and you want to check it out, go to www.battle2.org to check it out. There's all kinds of stuff there that you can check out, including the podcast. And um, keep doing this amazing work, darling. 
Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you are so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is fantastic.